Hello everyone and welcome to this week's live stream. I am your host, 
Jason Lindgren, also apparently known as Gravy Jesus. Joining me this week is Wayne McCroy, Crow777, and the great Baldini. So we got a nice full house for you. We're going to discuss buying the balderdash. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is we're going to walk through history and give you a few pointers on a whole bunch of topics to show you just how the controlling faction, the elite, the bad guys, whatever, have been pulling the wool over our eyes, or at least trying to, for a very, very long time. But before we get into there, let's say hi to our sponsor, Randy from Houston, and do our weekly regular. Did you know? percent of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where Lower the Friction comes in by putting a protective, lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to LowerTheFriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's LowerTheFriction.com. Unfortunately, that was not me playing the guitar on the commercial. That was a little theme song that Randy from Houston sent me. But anyway, I'm still using uh, Lower the Friction. If you do too, we want to hear from you. But anyway, gentlemen, hello and welcome. Uh, Crow, you were saying something kind of on the important side right before we got on the air about a document that David had made. So why don't you open us up with that to start before we get into the topic at hand? Oh, um... Dave Weiss sent me, uh, it's like a Word doc, but it looks official, and now that you've got me on the hook here, I didn't know we were going to do this, let me open up. I just, I just thought it of it, sorry. Of you. <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can find it. Okay, here it is. Um, this is what it says, wearing a face mask is far more hazardous than the threat of coronavirus. Covering your nose and mouth forces you to inhale carbon dioxide. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but it looks official. Um, and if you recall, the uh, sheep masters that make the guidelines stated from the outset trying to hedge their bets because they're basically violating your constitutional rights. Um, if you have a medical condition, you don't have to wear a mask. Um, and I just brought this up because Wayne was pointing out he went out without a mask in Pennsylvania, which is pretty locked down, uh, and nobody gave him a hard time. Here in Rhode Island, I have never worn a mask, but Rhode Island's not a normal sample. There you have it. By the way, if everybody wants to take a moment and wish Rose a happy birthday, today happy is her birthday. day. Of course, happy it's her official birthday, taking Rose. a breath day, not her official conception day, as our friend Kurt would say. But I bought enough. her chocolates. You did? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it this She can have chocolates. <laughs> well, she loves chocolates. That's all right. All right, let's find our little list here. We're going to start with, well, we have 16 points. Let's do this. I have no idea if we're going to get through 16 points without a six-hour show. So I don't want to beat any one of these points to death because these topics have all been covered by all of us to one degree or another. But I thought it might be interesting to have an open conversation about all this starting at what we can basically call the beginning and just kind of paint the picture from a, a very large historical narrative point of view of just how much we're being bullshitted. And that's that. That's the simple facts, folks. Unfortunately, we are indeed being bullshitted. So there are a lot of bovine scatology. There, man. Pull them pull them pants up, man. Put the high waters on and in the boots, because All right. 
Oh, I'm glad everyone's being cool and saying happy birthday to Rose. Thank you, everyone. That is awesome. Let me let this kitty out my door because she's going to destroy my soundproofing foam. They, they better, Jason. This train goes off the tracks without Rose. Say that again? I said this train goes off the tracks without Rose, so they should appreciate her. That's right. Absolutely. All right. So, yes, big happy birthday to my beloved. But let's start with point number one. The Big Bang. Of course, Boom. we've been told now for, oh, 100 plus years, I think it is now, that our entire cosmos, all that we see, was started from nothing. That some sort of point of singularity where everything that we see now in the sky was all condensed down to some tiny little point that then decided not to be a tiny little point anymore and go kaboom and give us all that we see. I think there are so many holes in this story, to say the least. That, uh... <laughs> But anyway, I'm just going to try and moderate this as best as I can. Who wants to take it first? Oh, I'll, I'll queue it up. I'll queue it up for Baldini um, because I know he's going to the laws of thermodynamics. No, but... <laughs> a law is a law and a theory is an idea, but let's just ask the obvious question. Can you show me anywhere in nature where explosions are a creative force um, and don't come up with the volcano thing because that's not really an explosion. I'm talking about a full-fledged, like a combustion engine explosion in the way the Big Bang is described, but there it is, Baldini. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's never going to happen. Second law of thermodynamics says entropy is going to take place, and um, this violates it in every aspect. Um, I spent uh, a number of... Um, uh, of hours over the last uh, three or four days, probably 20 plus hours, looking into Georges Lamont, uh, who is credited um, with the Big Bang Theory, um, which you know he called the universal atom or the cosmic egg theory is what his uh, original. Uh, in fact, it was Hoyle that called it the Big Bang, and, and it was a mocking term. <laughs> um, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, Hoyle? Are we talking Hoyle? Hoyle? Yep. Oh my on, god! On the BBC I... in 1933, called it the Big Bang as a mocking term. I, I had no idea about that one. Yeah. So um, the, the, it, here's the interesting part is that um, every single narrative that I found, I, I read 15, 16 different narratives. Um, every single one is uh, diametrically opposed or in contradiction to the others. There is no straight story about this. Um, and uh, every aspect is just complete poppycock. I, I, they, every, everything is, um, uh, we, we get aspects from, he borrowed the ideas from Hubble, Hubble stole his ideas, they helped each other. Uh, so, so, again, the basic idea that uh, the universe expanded uh, the, previous to that, and again, Hoyle was a champion of steady-state universe, um, and Lamatra came in and said, no, it's an expanding universe, and he used uh, Hubble's background radiation that he just come up with in the 20s uh, to support this idea, and then we have the, uh, the singularity that ex you know, nothing exploded into everything. <clears throat> and uh, no one can agree on the exact story. But here's the interesting thing. Throughout these uh, conflicting, contradictory stories, the only consistency uh, is that uh, in every single one of them, the narrative is told in such a way that says, if you do not accept it, you're closed-minded, you're stupid, 
you're a rube, you're an idiot, you're anti-science, uh, you must accept this or, or uh, you don't belong. Every every single one of these, up to and including um, things like uh, physics shorts on um, on YouTube, uh, where you've got uh, sub rube temperature IQ guys doing up talk, you know. And then okay, and then and then I, I want to slap these guys, uh, and and they're they're trying to uh, tell you and I uh, that we're too stupid to understand. Um, and it's a lie. And here they they all pretty much wrap up with uh, Einstein was not a proponent of it until he heard he heard him describe it. Then he stand up and cl- and claps and says, "Oh, that's the the best, most elegant uh, description I've I've ever heard." And I'll, I I endorse it now. And it, again, it sounds to me like he just said, "This is the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. I love it." <laughs> it's the only it's the only thing I can come up with. It is uh, it defies every single known laws of physics uh, by orders of magnitude. And, and uh, again, this just shows uh, over and over how, um, you know, as long as uh, a bunch of guys in lab coats get together and say, no, we're smart and we say this is the way it is, um, you must accept it. And, and that's the nature of peer review. And that's what has become scientism. So it, it is uh, pretty remarkable. Oh, it should come as no surprise to you if you're not familiar with Jor Lemaitre. Uh, he's a Jesuit. Just yeah. Just, just Jesuits kidding. are involved Jesuit? in just about everything, man. That every, it's, oh, every, it's the man. same thing we always say. All roads lead back to Rome. Uh, have you seen my surprised face? <clears throat> yes, yes, I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like oh. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Jason. Oh, there's a reason we keep the bald guy around, you know. <laughs> All right, we uh, like to have fun. Oh yes, I'll pass the baton. But I, I will sh- say that it was um, it was a, a very annoying twenty hours that I spent. I was just I was so disgusted when I got through it, through it that anybody can not only believe it, but that they can't even get their story straight. It is nonsense, top to bottom, upside down. If you understand anything about, I mean, middle school physics, you, you, you'd know that th- this is impossible. Uh, and what they're feeding to us is a crock of crap. So it's annoying. let's go over the three thermo, uh, laws of thermodynamics just to put that on, on the record. The first law, also known as the law of conservation of energy, states that energy can be cannot be created or destroyed in an isolated system. The second law of thermodynamics. Hold, hold on. Hold on. We should make a bigger point out of what you just said uh, from the amount of times you and I have come on and stated that we live in a closed system. Read that first one again. And then think about living in a hermetically sealed, whatever you want to call this, snow globe. The first law, the law of conservation of energy, states that energy cannot be created or destroyed in an isolated system. Meaning that no matter what you see that's going on, it's all just being transferred around. Nothing is coming or going. The amount of stuff, whatever the the primordial stuff is, is is a constant. Right. Neither can matter be uh, created or destroyed. It simply changes state. Correct. Yeah. Welcome Second to isolation. Law. Right. Exactly. The second law of thermodynamics states that the entropy of any isolated system always increases. Now, my big question for that one, and I'm kind of surprised I've never heard anyone say this before. Doesn't that go right in contrast with the first law? I'm sorry. Repeat that. I was distracted by the chat. The second law of thermodynamics, does it not go directly against the first law? We just said in an isolated system, nothing is created nor destroyed. Everything is all there. But the second law says that entropy always increases. Well, how can you yeah, have energy? It, it changes states, though. 
So that that would go along with the inverse square law. So as long as you're, um, as long as the area being, uh, as long as it's expanding into an area, right? So you have hot always goes to cold. It's always going to find a state of equilibrium. So if you have a state of a high energy area, let's say high temperature, uh, as long as it's exposed to a lower temperature, it's going to find a state of equilibrium. The energy is not going to completely dissipate. It's just it's simply going to uh, be, go entropic. It, the entropy will increase and it will find a state of equilibrium and balance. That's all. All right, and the third law of thermodynamics states that the entropy of a system approaches a constant value as the temperature approaches absolute zero. Mm -hmm. Anyone got any snarky comments they want to lay down, or we should move on to point two? Well, I just want to say thanks to Paul Martinson. Uh, thanks to Paul Martinson for the super chat. He says, ironic, isn't it, that these scientism guys never use the scientific method? Absolutely. Observe and declare. That's all they can do. They can. They never get past the first uh, step of the scientific well, method. They have no independent variable. They can't do it. Let's, let's be honest about this. Years ago, before the corporations took over everything, there were a lot more people doing scientific research and just kind of taking stabs in the dark trying to figure things out because they didn't have anybody over their shoulder saying, hey, we're going to pull your funding. Now, those things did happen, of course, but the gist here is before all this technology came to be what it is, if somebody wanted to do experiments and they had the know-how, they could do it and not a lot of people would be around to fuck with them to be blunt about it. You don't have that well, now. You don't have also, that Also, you have a, a variety of polymaths, uh, many of them autodidactic polymaths who were self-taught and they read the uh, the major texts, uh, most of them in Latin, by the way, uh, and, and they would understand uh, integrated multidisciplinary laws of, of physics and chemistry and uh, you know, a variety of different things. So when you understand those things, you begin to put them together. Now we don't have any multiple multiple disciplinarians by design because they make you specialize. And when you do, you're divorced and separated from the other aspects. Uh, so again, it, once you learn certain things, like even the the inverse square law covers, it, it applies to so many things. Um, you know, wave propagation of every kind. Uh, any kind of uh, you know power source dispersion is going to uh, con- comport to the inverse square law. So you have to learn these things. Once you do, you can quickly understand how many of the things that we're told uh, by the scientism guys and high priest and lab coats is poppycock. Uh, that you know, for example, uh, they they say that oh you know Voyager uh, contacted us from so many billions of miles away. The inverse square law, and then and it has a thirty watt radio in it. Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, you, just one quick look at the inverse square law. The signal-to-noise ratio would be impossible to pull. I mean, it's just, it's it's preposterous. Everything they give us is preposterous. All right. And just to stem from what you're saying there, Baldini, it is preposterous. Let's Let's just review quickly what it is that they want us to accept and believe. Okay, here it is. 20 billion years ago or so, nothing exploded, and then there was everything. Then everything started to cool, and water fell on the rocks, and then there were dinosaurs, and then monkeys came out, and uh, then we evolved from monkeys, and now here we are. Well, let's think let's, about it. Let's, it's preposterous on the face of it. I do like bananas. Yeah, let's be more clearly defined even in that. It, in, within my lifetime, it's changed from about uh, three the, – the, the number has gone from uh, between 3 and 13 uh, billion to 
14.3 billion to now I think it's 17.6 billion. It could be off by five billion years. We don't know for sure, uh, but they're, they're, they're trying to figure out what happened in the nanoseconds after the Big Bang. All right, sure. Uh, and then, again, it exploded. Nothing, this point of singularity, uh, exploded into everything. But also, in that explosion, not only self-organized into what we know as, quote, the universe, uh, but also the laws of the universe and the physical laws that accompany that, including, for example, the fact that every the physical laws are so well-attuned that for it to exist in the way that we know now, uh, it has to be within three-tenths of one percent uh, complete balance of all of them uh, together. And so it not only knew uh, apparently, how to, to how to create these laws, but also to do it in such a fine balance that uh, any other uh, any other combination would make you know the, the world is, uh, the universe as we know it impossible. Um, I mean, we we can consider a bunch of these things, and even the basic stuff like the planets. And again, I don't want to uh, punch anybody's buttons if they're still a heliocentric model believer. But let's take for example Jupiter or Saturn, both of which are considered to be gas giants. Well, gas of course doesn't have any intermolecular covalent bonds. It's not. It doesn't have any mass of its own. Each molecule is its own set of mass. And so, how are those things going to uh, congeal together uh, to create not only mass, right? So the sun is supposedly have gravity. What happened to that? How can they have such mass that they can attract um, moons? like Jupiter, or uh, a ring like Saturn. You're going to take a hard rock mass, this supposed ring around it, uh, but it, it's attracted by, what, gas that doesn't disperse into a seven, 10 to minus 17 tour vacuum? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I get started. Magic. But, but this is, Sorry, I shouldn't say magic. I should say quantum. It, it irritates Science. me so bad, and uh, I think part Science. of it is the degree that I spent, um, you know, I, I spent most of my life never really questioning those those ideas, and as soon as I thought about it, I went, for the sake of, <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe it. I ever bought it. All right, that leads us right to the next point, of course, which we kind of touched on. So, if anybody wants to finish up on that, would be the age of the universe as we are told, and we kind of went through that just now. But does anybody have anything else they want to contribute to that point? Other than it's changed a bunch of times, and the only it's reason they changed, changed it. and I, I'm sure the mainstream excuse is because they keep putting up satellites that are doing better and better detection of the background cosmic radiation i think that's the standard answer but it's no yeah, they, they keep changing it because they have to to right. keep going with their ad hoc theorems right. and this is the same reason we have dark matter we have dark energy um dark matter is created and the reason it's dark is because we don't know what it is because there's their formulations don't work uh, so the laws of gravity as they give it uh, don't work and, and the the uh, galaxies would spin themselves into a state of disorganization so they had to come up with something else to hold it together and then we have dark energy uh, and now they say that the, between dark matter and dark energy those comprise more than 97 percent of the known universe in other words they don't know jack it's bullshit right it's irritating I, i'm sorry if <laughs> Getting a little hostile here, but it, the, the the fact that they not only continue to punt this garbage, uh, but then t say you're just too dumb to understand. This is you're always going to get to this point when you're talking to to somebody um, who's trying to defend it. Uh, they just go, "You're too dumb to understand." And I'm like, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I am many things. I've been accused of a lot of things, and being dumb is not one of them." I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. There you go, <laughs> Crow. Did you have a point you wanted to make on that? Well, he made it. It's no different than the particle zoo. They just make crap up to make a, an equation balance, and the equation is theoretical and represents nothing in reality. Um, you know, when you think of even what they're telling you, something like a galaxy, um, you know what the original description of a galaxy was? It's called a nebula, yep. which is a much better description of what's actually going on, yet they want you to believe that it's a million 
stars or a billion stars and billions some portion and of billions. It. Right. It's just it's made up nonsense. And, and if you get the reason it, it works is because humans have imagination. Yeah, it's nebulous. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Right? It's occupying the space between your ears. Yeah. So well, moving along in space and it. time, we come to the concept, a concept that Crow and I have broken down, although we weren't the first, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, Whoa. of course, when you take a really good look at it, and some people who actually have brains in their heads did some math, it's apparent that these kinds of creatures of this size could not exist in an environment such as ours that we have. That's the, that's the bottom line of that. But uh, well, are we skipping over evolution entirely to get to dinosaurs? No. Point number three is dinosaurs. Oh, okay. Well, okay, because dinosaurs would be in evolution after uh, after the primeval. Well, I was getting to slot. evolution, then the rise of humanity. Uh, Actually, that, that doesn't order. work either because not only did all the dinosaurs get killed from a make-believe something from outer space, um, T-Rex turned into a chicken, so they want it both ways. And by the way, T-Rex supplied your gas up until about 1986. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fossil fuel. Yeah, yeah. If you look at fossil if you look at, fuel. at uh, evolution, just in general, if you were to try to do the math at the at the timelines they give, and I can they keep increasing these timelines, but the last timeline that I, that I've seen is. Uh, on the order of the, the age of the earth and, uh, you know, the, the neighborhood of uh, 13.4 billion or something like that. It's just uh, uh, ridiculous. But they, they keep increasing these times because the, the maths never work out. And even with the timelines that we give it, that we're given with the uh, going from a primordial, you know, sludge with a single cell creature uh, in order to get even to a even to something as complex as, uh, let's say, a, uh, a jellyfish, right, a multi-celled uh, creature, um, you, you would have to have on the order of magnitude of somewhere around 150 genetic mutations per generation. Uh, currently, four generations or more, or uh, four mutations or more per generation uh, would cause almost always the death of the host. Uh, and this is not including, you know, irreducible complexity such as gender. you got to have a male and a female, both that develop these parts at the same time. I mean, again, the fact that anybody buys this is mind-boggling to me, but it it becomes a religion. They have to defend it. Um, But but again, none of these things can be proven. Uh, There is no intermediate stage of any kind. And then, yes, by the time you get to dinosaurs, uh, it was predicted well in advance of them ever finding it. The first thing they find is Megalodon, literally big tooth, uh, and they found a tooth and said, oh, geez, here we go. And so they invented an entire creature based around a tooth. Yeah, that's that seems plausible. Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's yep. there's worse examples, uh, and I'll give you one that Jason and I didn't cover. I don't think when we did the No Dinos episode, which rang a lot of bells in the world. I still get email on that. Yep. Um, there was this whole push. I don't know, maybe twenty twenty five years ago, started something like that. Maybe thirty. That all of a sudden dinosaurs were getting feathers and they turned into yep. birds. I that was going to be their narrative, right? So what they did is they found this example, if I remember correctly, it's called Archaeopteryx, and that came out of China. China. And they put that on the cover of National Geographic and in every major publication, and just ge- Geographic alone. That goes, to this day, that goes out all over the world. But they put it absolutely everywhere. <clears throat> it was proven a fraud quickly yep. out of it's the gate, but still- they tried to maintain it. And this went on for something like 15 years before they finally had to admit that Archaeopteryx was a put-up and that it was faked. And they put bylines in a couple papers here and there to say, oops, sorry, our bad. So in essence, what happened, the entire world was informed 
dinosaurs had feathers. Here's the one we found that proves it. And they faked it, and then they announced in very small print in about three places, sorry, our bad. This so, goes all the way back to even Piltdown Man uh, that was right. supposed to have been a missing link. And so right. uh, for 30 or 40 years, it was uh, proof of the missing link. And then finally it comes out, oh, yeah, okay, it, it was a hoax. Uh, but, but by then, again, you know, and this is the old saying that, that you know, that a lie can get all the way around the world before truth gets its pants on. Uh, that that once, that once it's done, and you see this in the media all the time, they'll release a, a demonstrably false story. The damage is already done. They can come out and put a retraction out a couple of weeks later in small print. And, you know, well, we acknowledge, okay, that wasn't really exactly like that. But but the impression's already made. Uh, and you see this over and over with uh, um, political stuff, you know, the rush, the whole Russia-Trump thing. Again, they're all actors, and in, in far as my concern, uh, from my perspective. Uh, but still, uh, all those on the left will still say, but Russia, 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 even though it's been fully acknowledged that the whole Russia dossier was a, was a hoax. It, it's all a hoax. So everything that they give us is a hoax, but then they'll come back later and say, oh, yeah. You know, there's another thing we should mention. Uh, when Jason and I did that episode, it was before censorship was anywhere near what it is now. I think it was two days after we released the No Dinosaur episode, they announced everywhere um, that they found another new dinosaur called Nodosaur. Remember that, Jason? Oh, I remember that. We, we had a good laugh about that, actually. Well, it was so perfect because I had just done the crossroads thing, so I broke down Nodosaur, showing that not only was it poking you in the eye, no dinosaur, everyone picked up on that. Right. Uh, it had the crossroads from Mercury in it, and, of course, it was discovered, I think, September 11th, or something like this, but we ripped that apart. But it goes to show you that before the censorship is what it was now, just our little podcast had reached so many people uh, that they needed to release their fake dinosaur that they'd been sitting on for two years. Do you know now that they've discovered gay dinosaurs? Doesn't surprise Come me. Come on, need S- them. SJW sores? <laughs> gay yeah. dinosaurs. Do they have purple uh-huh. hair Megasaur- too? Mega- Megasaurus. We already had one, Barney. They got the Megasaurus. <laughs> And, and the lesbian dinosaurs are the Lickolotopus. So, um, <clears throat> oh, you're not pushing the envelope here. <laughs> not at all. Are you licking the envelope? What are you doing to the envelope there, Baldini? You're going to get a paper cut. By the way, we <laughs> should mention pretty- two really important things about dinosaurs before I move on, just in case anybody's not familiar with it. One of the biggest ones is that you've never seen a skeleton or even a bone of one. And why nope, is that? Never. Because it is completely and utterly admitted that all the skeletons that you see in these big old museums you pay way too much money to get into are copies. They're plastered or whatever. Made in China. But they still, they still... They still lie and claim they have the real bones, but that and people can still look this up online. They they have these big bones they claim are the real deal in the back room, but they're so radioactive they had to be painted with lead paint. Um, and that sets aside the fact that they openly admit no full skeleton or skull has ever been found. Um, but that sets aside the whole thing that we did cover, Jason, the dinosaur wars. Where the first two guys painting this fake picture were caught red-handed taking hippos and giraffes and elephants and making dinosaurs out of them. Yep, it's yeah. a poppycock. Yeah, the two, the dinosaur wars. They discovered most uh, all of what they consider now to be dinosaurs, and yet later they were almost all discovered to be frauds. Uh, and yet they they still hold to the story. And in fact, we can run all the way back just a little tangent here. If the same is true with nearly every document that was. Uh, 
uh, came from um, the uh, the Scaligerian timeline uh, done by the Benedictine monks, which was paid for by the Jesuits. Uh, almost 90% of those now have all been discovered to be frauds, and yet they still hold tightly to the Scaligerian timeline. Oh, they're copies. They're just copies. We can't find the extant source, but um, they're copies. Yeah. Uh, Scalinger, Scalinger is like the ancient Bernays mixed with Kissinger with super secret special sauce. If I if we ever go back on Scalinger again, oh my lord, I, I can tie it to so much now. Yeah, it's it's demonstrably uh, poppycock, and um, yeah, I, again, it didn't mean to derail the thing, but 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 they all follow the same progression and the same they got the same fingerprint on it right the same smell of, of, of horse manure right uh, so they use the same e exact uh, methodology uh to present it they, they're the experts they're going to present it they all agree and then uh if you if you disagree you just don't understand that's pretty much what it is and there's a second really important point i want to make before we move on about dinosaurs and that's the concept that they filled us especially when we were children uh, the, that we, they filled us with called fossil fuels, this oh, fuels. insanely bullshit concept, uh, even to the and point that Sinclair, the, the oil company Sinclair, which has ties yeah. to the Rockefellers, of course, uses an orange brontosaurus as its logo mascot. I mean, <laughs> when I was in school, they showed a cartoon in around sixth grade for me. Um, that showed an animated process of how we got oil and dinosaurs and palm trees dying or where it came from. And they had to backtrack on that because yeah. I think part of what was going on is they were hiding what was actually in the molecules. Um, and then once labs around the world started to queue in, it was pretty clear that that lie was going to fall apart. But even yeah, today, even today, again, yeah, e even today, um, it's hard to convince younger people that that's in fact what they claimed oil was from. Right. Uh, and just to let everybody know, to my knowledge, Oil and the general concept of petroleum is not a scarce resource. It is not nope. it is not made from the remnants of plants and deceased plants and animals. It is no, what's known as abiotic oil. It abiotic. is produced somehow uh, by pressure and things like that in the earth, much like coal, diamonds, and all those kinds of things. It's something that exists naturally, and it is not as a result of the nonsense they tell us. Anyway. Yeah, and many many oil wells that were depleted uh, in the late 1970s, early 1980s, they've gone back and uncapped them, yep. and they're 70, 80% full yep. again. There's lots of reports uh, of that. So you can go look that up yourselves, folks. That's, you don't have to listen to us on that one. Yes, and I agree with Rocker Chick. It's something like the, the Earth's blood. It is some kind of lubricant uh, for the oil or uh, for the Earth. It, it makes it um, naturally. It, it is not uh, a limited resource. It's a lie that's been told uh, to us by the Rockefellers uh, since way back in the day because they, they own the oil. Uh, and so scarcity uh, has always been. Uh, one of the uh, one of the big sellers. Uh, so they create a scarcity, and and again, fear drives most everything people do. Uh, so if you're afraid that you won't have enough, you got to take it from somebody else. So let's touch on the thing that supposedly took out these dinosaurs: the giant space rock. That is the leading theory. I think most folks probably know this one. The leading theory about why the dinosaurs died out and all larger creatures as well is because some giant space rock came, hit the Earth in Kaplawi, created. Uh, like a, a nuclear winter style kind of thing. Everything mm -hmm. got too cold and most things died out, leaving just the kind of critters more like the kind of critters we see today. 
Well, what's remarkable, though, Jason, is that within my lifetime, uh, it's gone from uh, when I was uh, a kid in school, uh, they uh, mainstream science denied that we had ever been impacted by any sort of uh, space rock or anything, uh, that asteroid impacts were not possible. Uh, and then it wasn't until the late 1970s when they supposedly discovered the big asteroid impact in the Yucatan Peninsula that was supposedly the one that did the dinosaurs in. So it wasn't until the early 1980s that that was even accepted. Uh, and now again it's that that narrative has moved forward to the place now not only the Tenzguska incident but uh now regularly two or three times a day uh they, they tell us that we're being uh, having near misses with an asteroid and that uh that's uh, i anticipate that'll be a uh, one of the fraudulent events of course um uh, uh von braun uh told his, uh carol that that uh, that was going to be one of the the frauds that they that they perpetrated as well so uh within my lifetime they've gone from never happened uh, to uh, yeah, of course it happens all the time. It's it's really interesting how they continue to change the narrative and act as though we will never remember. Exactly. Anyone else want to make a contribution on the giant space rock? Well, so much of these narratives depend on human beings not having any grasp about where they exist. Um, when when human beings start to have a grasp of where they exist, the first thing that's going to return in a meaningful way is spirituality because they're going to realize there's no explanation for how we got here. They're also going to realize that the model that is provably here at some level, though we can't draw it yet, um, is there is no natural explanation for it. But on top of that, um, if people understood that we're in a closed environment, nothing comes in from space, um, it would be a lot different living here. Because people will begin to realize everything we got, it's here. Nothing's coming or going. And by the way, you know, comets and all these other things can't can't come through the uh, the snow globe. The barrier, yeah. I, I think that it's uh, it's been said over and over that again, you know, with uh, with the amnesia that we have, and they've they've stolen our history, they've stolen uh, our origins, uh, and replaced it with something else. And uh, you know, to the to the dinosaur, just one thing to add there is that I, I don't uh, deny. In fact, there are many ancient cultures who have drawings of things that look like you know dinosaurs. They're probably you know big creatures, uh, but not dinosaurs as the way they're described. Uh, I'll put it that way. Um, there are there there apparently were large creatures. I, I would go with that and there are uh, drawings of them being contemporaneous with mankind um, just just not the way they're described everything that they told us pretty, pretty much is a, is a lie uh, so I'll go with that um, well, uh, let's add on to the giant space rock thing that's just more fear narrative sometime yep. at some unknown time and place in the future or maybe tomorrow a giant but, space rock could come and wipe out humanity but they, think about in the, in the last 10 years, think of how many times they've pulled that, though. Even with this, this beer bug nonsense, what was the big fake comment? It was Atlas that was going to be brighter than Venus. And, of course, it was another green smudge in the sky um, that doesn't look like a comet. But my point is, is they do this space rock, something's coming to hit us, comet. They do that on average every three or four years. Oh no! They, they're crow. They're doing it nearly every day now. Um, I, again, it's gone from a, a few every few years to to in my newsfeed timeline. Uh, it went to you know a couple of times a week to now three or four times a day. Uh, they talk about a, a near Earth object, and then the, the just yesterday they said, "Oh, we one came within uh, the uh, within the satellites. It's it's the closest one, and they didn't even know until it, it came by. Oh my God! Oh, they and almost got us! It almost got us!" Yep. Almost got us, and then two Don't weeks. Don't those ago, satellites oh, take pictures? No, I'm sorry. Right, and then like two weeks ago, there, there was They're an asteroid coming that looked like it was wearing a mask. 
I shit you not. I saw Come it. That's more poppycock. So we we this had, is why I don't look anymore. I, yeah, so we had on on Halloween we had that this the sun looked like a jack o' lantern, uh, and then a couple of years later on Halloween <laughs> there was a skull shaped asteroid. Oh it's so god! Funny, man. Right, and then there was a bone shaped asteroid, uh, and now we got one that looks like it's wearing a mask. Are, are you kidding me? Bro, why don't you I tell mean, everyone about Pluto on 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 yeah, on the planet Pluto? Let's let's yeah, talk about that Pluto, one before Pluto. we move on. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy. Um, there was. I don't know. That must have been before we met, Jason. Um, but there was a period of time there where the moment they published something out, I would just put it in Photoshop and take it apart. But Pluto, it was unreal. Because from the outset, any person with a reasonably functioning mind would see it looks like it was made in the old 90s light wave, first of all, the picture of Pluto. But there it was. Uh, superimposed was like part of the Pluto cartoon right on it but i don't know jason how many did i rip apart back then with simply levels in photoshop proving outright that every pixel was i don't know how many but it was quite a few yeah it's just like the moon images as soon as you start tearing them apart it's obvious that there's some sort of massive fraud going on and and them being composites does not explain that either by the way unless they're literally cutting and pasting and putting things together which just proves our point i think they do cut and paste and put it together and you can see uh, you can see black Cut. You can see them crop marks. You put it in Photoshop. Anybody can do it. Well, then, they've been getting wise, though. I did it with the moon stuff a while ago, like right when Crow yeah, and I were getting it. things going. Well, they've touched them up. Whatever they've released now, supposed new higher-res images and all that, they've had their own Photoshop team going to work to make sure you can't do what I did and what so many other people... You find masking edges around it. It's still pretty crappy. I'm just... Oh, yeah, but the, but the straight... It's annoying how bad they, they do it. The one that I did, I literally had a black box Earth yes. right on there with the giant astronaut. And some of the earliest people to do that were... Uh, Rob what? Skiba did it. No, no, no. Earlier than that, the guy that uh, tried to challenge Crow and, and couldn't do it. Uh, Hoagland. Hoagland did it very early on along with Jay Widener. And uh, I got very curious when I started looking into that myself. And I realized they pulled most of the old stuff down anymore. So if you try to do it now, it's not right. anywhere near as obvious as it used to be. Well, Earthrise Over the Moon was one that was completely shredded. That's the one I did pretty, it to and found the, yeah, bo- and found the box. Right. I had it too, I, and I didn't keep it, uh, and they no. swapped that out. But in the Pluto clip where I showed definitively that Pluto, the imagery you were getting was a fraud, and that sets aside all the other work I did because the camera they were using was the exact size of my telescope. So I compared it to uh, Jupiter, which is supposed to be 500 million miles away, and they were supposedly 7 million miles away, and they were showing us pixelated. But the point is, remember the asteroid, Jason? Uh, And I demonstrated verbatim that they took something that looked like a rock and then ran Photoshop blur filters on it. Remember that? Wasn't there one with like Easter Island or something, Like, and you found the the image? That was was the Rosetta. That was the Mm -hmm. Rosetta. um, Yeah, that one. The Philae fraud, there you go. Uh, where yeah. everything you was saw the island in it. I did the same thing there. It, oh, it's all... that, that's another thing we should we should just touch on, right? Is um, with all the the uh, things in quote unquote space, right? What, why is it they always give them names of ancient gods? All of them, everything. Better Osiris. know your myths, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I'm going to say. That's Jupiter, they're, Mars, they're, Saturn. Leveraging the archetype. That's that's why, because nobody gets a, an education anymore. So all they react to is the archetype that exists in them, not understanding anything more than that. And then NASA, Apollo, Mercury, 
<laughs> well, I'm curious to see what Artemis does, but hey, we're, we're kind of talking I mean, over Wayne here. We're not giving him a chance to speak. Do you have anything yeah. you want to contribute here, Wayne? Uh, just that, uh, you know, we've been lied to in so many different ways that uh, it, it's just ridiculous at this point, the, the way we've been lied to. We've been lied to about the nature of space, about the age of the universe, and about the age of the Earth. And one way that they do this uh, in order to keep us like trapped in this whole lie, is uh, they they came up with uh, something called the geologic column. And uh, back in 1830, a uh, Scottish lawyer named Charles Lyell came up with this concept of the geologic column to determine the age of the Earth. So his whole theory is each layer of Earth, the deeper down you go, this is older and older stuff. So they would date the fossils in the layers of Earth based upon how far down they were, right? So here's what they do. They dig down, they, they find a bone, okay, or a tooth. Say they find a big tooth, all right? And they say, oh, well, this is a new dinosaur. This is a big tooth. And it's approximately 100 million years old, we'll say, okay, just for arbitrarily here. So that's what they do. They arbitrarily appoint a date, uh, a time frame to it. So how do they date uh, this uh, layer of Earth that they find down there? Well, they do that by the fossils they find in it. Well, how do they date the fossils that they find? Uh, by the layer of dirt they're in. It's circular reasoning. <laughs> right. And it's all based on nothing. And this is and, what they do. And this lie has come forward through the ages here, uh, like into the modern era. And this is what they base the, the age of the earth and everything on. This is why they say this was like, uh, you know, 70 million years old or something like that. This is what they base it on. They Because they found this in this layer of dirt down, you know, how many feet down below the ground. So they say it's the Paleolithic era or whatever era that they say it is. And this is what we found. And, you know, so this fossil was in this layer of dirt. So it's therefore it's this many years old. And, and by, uh, it's all based upon just somebody saying that stuff that's this deep is this old. So yeah, that, that's basically it. And by the way, to quote Crow, um, that geological column can never be found in the order that's presented anywhere on Earth. Anywhere. It's because it doesn't exist anywhere but on paper. In so in book. 1830, this, this uh, Scottish lawyer named Charles Lyell wrote a book uh, about geology. And this is where the whole field of geology comes from. This is, this is what it's about. This is how they date fossils and how they, they date uh, artifacts and stuff like that is based upon what layer of dirt that it is that this guy sure. arbitrarily said is, is X amount of years old. And then you and get that's it. radio, so. radiometric dating, which people are mentioning in, in chat. And again, that's just right. more copycock. It simply assumes that carbon-14 uh, has a half-life that goes at a, as a standard, uh, consistent rate, right? And, and again, you can't do rocks that way. And it also just completely denies the fact that if you change its uh, environment, uh, that half-life changes at, at enormously different rates, no matter – like. Right. You can put it in water, it changes. You can put it in the sun, it changes. You can put it in the shade, it changes. Um, the, the the very idea that, that it has a consistent half-life uh, that you can measure is, is nonsense. Uh, and, and beyond that, they're trying to date rocks. You can't date rocks. Uh, and uh, again, by the way, again to quote Quo, um, that uh, you can take a look at uh, isometric uh, radio ha halos in things like granite, which are supposed to be so many billions of years old. Uh, and there are like, uh, Palladium-214 uh, has a half-life of less than a tenth of a second, meaning that, uh, by extrapolation, uh, it had to be completely created, I mean, cr like instantaneously formed. There, there's no, I mean, within 
within a, a half a second. It, it, would, it had to be. You get Palladium-214, the radio isotope, the halo exists. You can see it. You can show it. Uh, and it ha- would have to be fully, completely crystallized within that w- within a tenth of a second. You can't have it go over millions of years. It's impossible. It, it doesn't crystallize like that, and, and nothing can be proven that way. It's a lie. So right. That, Carbon that kind of dating covers... is wildly inaccurate. Right. That I would say that probably covers age of the Earth, too. Uh, it, is there anything f- further to that topic we want to go on about, or should we jump on to the next poppycock of evolution? <laughs> uh, I just wanted to uh, touch a little on the dinosaurs. The the no-dosasaur you guys found, no-dosasaur. Uh, was this a caffeine-addicted dinosaur? I, I think that might be something to that. I actually, it was, <laughs> it was nodo because I remember looking up the Latin root, which was node, which is defined as a crossroad. Of course, and we had just broken down. It was it was unbelievable. It was within two days they posted that, and I shredded that on our next episode. And people were already laughing because the, the episode we did, they were all calling it "No Dinosaur." Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, that that's so much of of the basis of the lies they tell. They want us to believe that this entire different uh, species uh, of creatures existed where we are on this earth. And pretty much were, were the, the dominant species at the time. And even though there were a lot of different species of dinosaurs, supposedly, but these these were the things that uh, were the alpha predator. Like, you know, they were the big thing roaming the Earth at the time, and they all got wiped out by this magic rock from space. Mm-hmm. And ta-da, they're gone. Uh, but there's just absolutely no way to definitively prove that. They still have never proven well, that whole asteroid theory. They, they at actually all. Like, they want it both ways, though, Wayne, because they also said they turned into birds. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they, I remember that. And it's strange coming from you know our childhood and stuff, the age that we are. Like a lot of uh, the the quote unquote millennial generation or whatever. Now they they wouldn't know any different now because. Well, when we were growing up, dinosaurs were considered a wholly different thing than what they are now. Like, there was no correlation to birds or anything even considered at that point. And then all of a sudden, they wanted to turn T-Rex into a a chicken, and it's got feathers. I think that was a 90s thing, It's just absurd. Yeah, I think so. The the one thing that seems consistent over all of these narratives, whether you're talking about the Big Bang, whether you're talking about evolution, whether you're talking about uh, dinosaurs, uh, is it it seems, again, a consistent uh, throughout these that they they, they pick the most ridiculous, preposterous narrative and, and, and choose that one to punt. Right, they don't even take the ones that might even seem plausible. They get with the with the most ridiculous possible story and throw that out like they're poking you in the eye. We're going to tell them the most retarded thing that we can, uh, and then we'll all nod and say, uh, "Yep, design, that's, yeah. yep, that's the one." And if you don't get, if you don't agree with it, you just don't understand. Well, let's let's or we'll give pull your quick, funding. Let, let's give a quick how to. Um, the words always tell you. The words always tell you. Yes, Think of. Think of the fraud that I told you with the Archaeopteryx. First of all, you have the arc, the arch idea in the front, which is already suspicious. But it ends in the word tricks. If you look at Nodosaur and you suddenly go to the Latin base, you'll see it's the crossroad um, right out of the gate. So if you take the time to do an etymology on a word or take it back to its original with dinosaurs, you're always going to Latin, almost always. Um, You'll be told if you pay attention. 
Yeah, same way with like uh, Archimedes, right? What's in a name? So right. uh, Art, the, the central, Medes, the the, uh, the road, right? The media. Uh, so uh, he's the primary uh, source uh, of the information, <laughs> right? They do it all the day. You got, uh, uh, what, what's the guy that uh, supposedly did the sticks and shadows, right? Uh, oh, yeah, Eratosthenes, right? So Erat is the basis of error, right? Errata. Yeah. Right. It uh, means false. It means fake. It means false. E- e- right. Right. One. Right. And then uh, Austenes is literally uh, an old Greek uh, term for like Narnia, a, a place that doesn't exist, a, <laughs> a fake world. So literally, Aristosthenes is literally a fake world, like uh, wrong. It were tell. It. I mean, they put it right in the name, and then they go, "Yeah, this is the guy that did it with sticks and shadows." And now you know why they don't teach Greek and Latin in school anymore, boys and girls. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, they, it did not die a natural death. It was murdered. All right, to have a really good grasp on Latin would be just key right now with a a lot of things. But uh, sadly, that's very lacking in our society. I really don't know too many people that speak Latin fluently or, like, understand Latin in a fluent nature like that. Because so many things would be open to us uh, if we were to just recognize what we're looking at when we see these Latin-based words. I did used to have this over my desk. It said, uh, nolo con copulatus. Bless you. Fuck with me, not. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm starting. I'm starting to feel like a dumbunculus. <laughs> I've got a bunch of bananas for you. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, let's move on to the next wonderful poppy uh, topic: evolution. So evolution came about predominantly because of a dude named Darwin, who was, if I understand the concept correctly, because Crow and I have touched on this was sent to do so. They needed a narrative, so they constructed one. And from what we understand, a lot of the research that he used was actually stolen from a guy named Wallace, if I remember correctly. But... That's that'll get us started. Who wants to take that? He, he's he's tied to the dinosaur narrative. The people who are pushing the Darwin narrative are the same group of people who backed the fake guys in the dinosaur war. The night they put them in charge of the Museum of Natural History, or whatever it was, there. Those two narratives um, are locked together at their base when they started out. Yeah, they need, we, each one needed the other. Yep, that's now, Wayne, a fact. You've done a lot of. Uh, reading of white papers, things like that for scientific research. What have you come across that could either support or contradict the concept of evolution? Uh, well, basically, I, I don't see any evidence for Darwinian evolution whatsoever. There's really nothing uh, to verify it. Here, here's, here's a logical way to look at it, okay? Um, all right. How long have we, our scientists, our quote-unquote scientists, been experimenting with fruit flies? Any, any, got any idea? It would no have idea. to be for what? Probably, probably at least the last hundred and hundred and fifty years, say, year or something. Yeah. All right. Well, how long is the lifespan of a fruit fly? Weeks. Anybody? Weeks on a yeah. So think about it. Over the course of. Uh, 150 years, uh, they've used fruit flies in different lab experiments and bred fruit flies for their lab experiments. Well, explain, explain they have why, not. why they use fruit flies. Expl- explain to the folks why they use fruit flies. Because their brains are identical to ours, right? <laughs> <laughs> why do they wear, wear masks? masks? O- only if you wear a mask, Crow. Come on. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, the Explain why they use fruit, fruit, fruit flies for those who aren't aware. 
Well, basically, they, they use them because they're easily observable. They're uh, easy to handle. They're easy to breed. Uh, they have these short lifespans, and they could actually they could get many uh, generations in a study. Right, they could, right. That's my whole point. They could get many, many, many generations out of this. So how many generations of fruit flies would have existed in this past 150 or so years that they've been experimenting with them? Yeah, tens of at, at least. And yet they've never observed any a change new new speciation they didn't count the fruit they didn't flies count murder hornets nothing new came um, out of the fruit flies hey let me throw this out here about that murder hornets thing has anybody ever read the books or seen the movies about the hunger games that's where they're ripping that off from that they were called tracker jackers in that storyline and sounds like they just pulled it right out of there and are sticking it in people's faces why another dystopian storyline but anyway well, it's like the killer killer bees narrative. That's also a false narrative. But they they do have those mega hornets. Pe- oh, occasionally, sure they people exist, get yeah. killed. But it's the same thing. But killer bees. Uh, well, I'm not even going to get started on killer bees. Come on, land sharks, yeah. shark. Oh, come <laughs> on, land shark. You're that clever shark. <laughs> Murder hornets. Come on, like. Honestly, could they they be any more blatant about things? I was unaware of that whole Hunger Games idea. Jason, I never bothered to read those books or watch those movies or anything, so I wouldn't have known there was any correlation there until you said something. But yep, they're uh, called tracker jackets. Think about it. If you look at yeah, what they do, it's the same description. Murder hornets. Like, come on. Uh, it's, it's not even I as clever of a name species, as tracker jacker. Long here, but yeah, I mean, could you you be a little more fear porny with it? <laughs> like murder hornets. They can't just say giant Asian hornets. What they've been known as in the world of entomology for years. Instead, they 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 dub it murder hornets. I call okay. them assholes with wings. That's yeah, pretty much, yeah. That's it, that's wasps in general. They're buzzing off, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. anyone else want to contribute anything on evolution, or shall we evolve to the next point? The the only thing I'll say about ev- evolution is just that uh, again this is another place that defies everything that we observe in nature. That um, de-evolution is what we see. We don't see anything um, move into a higher state of existence. If you put a Cadillac out in the field, it doesn't become a Ferrari, right? It reverts back to a state of rust. Um, so everything in nature, again, entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, takes hold in pretty much every aspect. Everything begins to uh, devolve and uh, go into a lower state. And they've uh, again. And uh, through the process of dumbing us down uh, intentionally and, and by providing uh, poorer and poorer education, uh, they've now convinced uh, most people that uh, the advances in technology uh, mean that we are smarter as a species, which is uh, demonstrably not true. Uh, so, but they, people believe it. And, and so in, in every aspect, again, they, they keep telling us that we're getting better and better and achieving a higher state when exactly the opposite is true. So again, in every way, uh, the narrative of evolution is uh, contrary to what we observe in in nature, the natural world. Uh, again, more than three or four um, genetic mutations per uh, per generation will kill the host, uh, and no, almost no uh, genetic mutation has been uh, shown to be either advantageous uh, nor carried on through progeny. Uh, and so it, it's a, it's just a demonstrable lie. And when you get to irreducible complexity, uh, it, it's impossible. And and yet uh, they will continue to tell us. Uh, everyone from Richard Dawkins to Feynman to everybody says. Settled science. There is no debate uh, because they don't want a debate. <laughs> There's no right. debate because they won't schedule the whole one. Thing is, that, that's like saying lose, jumbo shrimp. Right? They would get their ass. Well, I, I got the whole I got, thing about this too. Sorry, 
Go for it. I was just going to say the whole thing about this. The whole thing about this is Darwinian evolution stems directly out of eugenics because uh, Darwin's cousin, Sir Francis Galton, is the man that coined the phrase eugenics, and uh, he got a lot of his ideas and stuff from Galton. And his book was written basically as a eugenics uh, promoting book. If you look at uh, Baldini, do me a favor. Look up the full title of uh, Darwin's book on the origin of species and yeah. read that for the folks, if you would, please, just to yeah. understand where we're coming from here and what this is really all about. can almost do it from memory, but just to uh, j- j- just to but before we move on for here, I got a I got a bomb to drop. On the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. Favored <laughs> races? No way. <laughs> Ta-da! There's your Ta-da. eugenics so, link right there. And, and that's not, why it's pushed. Give the man a pickle. Point, not to put too fine a point on it, but, but each and every one, uh, again, of these narratives, uh, from evolution to the Darwinian um, you know, survival of the fittest of what we call it, uh, to the uh, heliocentric model, uh, to the, the flying space monkey religion. Uh, all, all of these things are uh, demonstrably Luciferian in nature, just not to put too fine a point on it. But uh, it, it really, every single one of it denies uh, a creator, denies uh, a deity, and tells mankind that you are not special. Uh, you, you are a speck of dust on a speck of dust on a speck of dust on, on a, you're a mole uh, on, a, on a wart uh, on a... <laughs> <laughs> on a pimple uh, on the ass uh, of of a space rock uh, and and you don't deserve to be here so you guys remember the whole revelation thing that we were beginning to line up with all the nonsense we see that started with the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the white horse coming out of china all that get this how long ago did this murder hornet thing start in the news jason do you remember oh that's recent like within the last two weeks so get this this is what I'm trying to tell everyone, the importance of etymology, um, it comes from high German, um, but as you go down the line, you get to the old Anglo-Saxon, but listen to this, was altered by influence of horn is one of the threads to suggest either horner from the sting or horn blower, compare also with the, the old Saxon, horno barrow, but hornet literally means trumpeter, so I will not be surprised yeah. if we get up into Revelation, where the trumpets start trumpeting, that the murderous hornet comes back into the news to trumpet. Interesting. There's all that, for whatever it's worth. All right. That's an interesting link. Yeah, Wayne and I had a very interesting conversation a couple of weeks ago about all this. Oh, we sure did, yeah. That's for sure. Well, I think Rick and Morty might have trumped us. I think Jesus has left our precincts. He's now on... uh, Adult Swim. Oh, gotcha. No, that was Jesus. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was his cousin, Jesus. <laughs> Boy, that, that last Rick and Morty episode, I, I wasn't watching them. So the other night I said, you know what? I just will. So I went and recorded it and sat down. The newest uh, one? The, yeah, the entire thing is a complete kick in the cojones uh, about where we are and what's going on. Nothing about it. it. It seems like it's just a nonsensical, maybe one of the worst ones you've ever seen. But it says a lot more than people think. I'll have to keep that in mind. I haven't watched it yet, but I, ha- I have it sitting here. All now right. you know where you exist. <laughs> well, I don't doubt they're going to touch on all these things. Uh, we touched a lot on, on the age of the earth. Anyone want to add anything else to that, or should we just jump up to the rise of humanity? Oh, sure. 
<laughs> Why not? Why not? Is that an Olympic sport? <laughs> and what would that yeah. sport be called, Crow? Uh, put on hold until next year this time. Kind of the popcock toss. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by until 2021. Uh, uh, and here I was thinking Balderdash was Baldini's cousin. Yeah, right. He's the runner in the family. Yeah, he's the, he's he's the quick guy. Yeah, and he's got less hair than you. Amazingly, amazingly, <laughs> you run fast enough. All right. So this is another one that mainstream science has a little bit of trouble explaining because, of course, they try and tie in the evolution nonsense. But we don't really have any very good answers or solid evidence on where humanity actually started from. The, the quote claim is, of course, that we were grubs scratching around in dust and, and all that and worked our way up from there. Uh, if you believe 2001 A Space Odyssey, the... We had a little bit of intervention by a Luciferian, uh, what would we call it? Well, we had a Luciferian intervention. Let's just leave it at that. But uh, Prometheus may or may not have come, but there doesn't seem to be any direct evidence of that unless the secret societies aren't telling us anything in particular about that. So anyone have anything they'd like to talk about? Basically, there's two threads that we can talk about, right? We can say what science tells us. We can say what religion tells us. But... Both of them are just riddled with nonsense, and even the biblical narrative is interesting um, because in the biblical narrative, Cain's line, which would have included, well, uh, there's a bunch of duplicated names that they try to act like are different people, but in Cain's line, Tubal Cain comes, who invents metallurgy, among other things, but that line dies out in the biblical chart. So how in the heck is it that we got metallurgy, or for that matter, how in the heck is it all these A-list actors are constantly throwing the Tubal Cain sign? By the way, did anyone notice my sweet Tubal Cain encode in this week's episode image? <laughs> Almost <laughs> no one saw it. Me. I waited, no one even saw it. Can't hide it from me. <laughs> I didn't get an email. <laughs> I figured it would be a take it, man. Just to come on it. for it to count. I need the email before the reveal. Okay. All right. Next time for sure. <laughs> I promise. So you said two points. What's the other point, Crow? Well, if, oh, from the biblical point of view, um, and I hate to say this because I know people get mad, but uh, you can show where biblical information and what we call scripture were redacted, literally redacted. You and I have talked about Ezra, so the narrative that people are familiar with, and most people are not familiar with the fact that Solomon's temple stood for 40 years. All this hoopla for a thing that was there for about 40 years. But anyhow, there's two kingdoms, right? You got your Judah, which is the small one. You got your Israel, which is the big one. Two tribes in the Judah. So they get knocked over. The temple gets thrown down. They get hauled off by Nebuchadnezzar. They're slaves. Um, Same thing happens to Judah by the narrative we're handed a year later. So then eventually they come back, and this dude named Ezra has been famous for his biblical knowledge. He actually rewrites the old portions of the Bible that can be credited to Ezra, and he redacts the family line of Moses. He hides it, and then he attributes everything off to Aaron. But this 
this has gone on and on. And the only reason I brought up Tubal Cain is because how can we have people claiming that they're Tubal Cain's descendants throwing their little gang signs and codes, also implying that that line was intermingled with fallen angels, which makes it all the more dark and mysterious for most people. But they're saying the way human beings got metalwork was through him, and we have metalwork. So how can the biblical narrative end? It's been redacted. Clearly, it's been redacted. Yeah, I mean, you put it in the hands of the Jesuits. There's going to be things happening, right? So Jesuits through the through the Benedictine monks. That I mean, when it, when all knowledge the Jesuits, gets, yeah, well, when all knowledge gets held in one group uh, who are demonstrably evil. I don't know any other way to put it. Uh, then you, you know things are going to go wrong. But uh, in, in point number seven, the rise of humanity, my, my short bit on this is, again, there is no um, uh, conclusive narrative. There is no agreement. Uh, it, it's been changing constantly throughout my lifetime and certainly as I read uh, prior to that, uh, from out of Africa to this and that and Lucy and you know all, the, all these garbage narratives. Uh, from first it was 8,000 years ago, then 10, 12, 20, 200, a million and a half they, they don't know and they're not telling uh, well here, here's the thing somebody does know and and uh, but the the narrative like everything is turned upside down uh, they say that we came from knuckle dragging Neanderthals you know uh, could, couldn't figure out fire and and all the evidence is contrary to that that uh, they they were capable of creating structures that we could not uh, to this day make who who now last who knows how long tens of thousands of years uh, through all kinds of uh, cataclysmic events uh, that are still uh, still there right and, and we build a building and we knock it down in 30 years uh, so uh, again all the evidence points uh, to the contrary that they were much brighter they had a much uh, greater understanding of everything around us and that we have devolved uh, over time. So so the narrative is simply upside down. Everything they're telling us is a lie. Well, we shouldn't right. have spent and so much time watching I Love Lucifer or Lucy, what was <laughs> it? Well, you got something to do. <laughs> Indeed you do. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the whole point is it's it's a complete inversion of what we're told because we're told right now we're smarter than we've ever been before. We have all this science. We're so advanced, this and that. Ancient man was a lot smarter than we are. A we've lot. been dumbed down. They built some and pretty that's, cool that's stuff. That's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's when you look back at that whole narrative, uh, it, it could be said there's no agreement on it. I mean, science quote-unquote science or what do you want to call scientism says one thing the various religions agree on certain points of the past but uh they they're not always necessarily in agreement of uh where exactly we came from or what our exact origins were but, but the major so, points but the major points are pretty consistent which is uh right. that there was a, an entity that created us and cared for us, and then there was a um, a rebellious agent that that, uh, that there was a battle of some kind. I mean, those 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 are major points that I think you can look at. I mean, you have to the details all get sort of get lost, but ultimately, uh, the major points of the cosmology all pretty consistent. I mean, you can take any of the ancient man stories. I mean, one of the most demonstrably false ones is Egyptology, and that's the one that they're not going to give up on, right? And again, uh, we think that's where their line started. Well, that's because right. I think to me, as far as I mean, again, I, I hate to speculate, but what it looks like is that uh, there there was, according to the ancient tales, um, 
you know, um, information that was held beneath him in a repository, and somebody found it at some point, uh, and, and that uh, kind of restarted or jump-started, uh, again, the mystery schools. Uh, they took over, and they started a lie to cover up what was going on. And so they just, as you say, Crow, they, uh, they, they put a line in the sand there and said, okay, we're going to start from here. Uh, and it's just, it, it's demonstrably false ever every bit of it right and then if you look at the work of Velikovsky and uh, Alexander uh, Flamenco uh, Flamenco rather um, and again using uh, mathematics which again you can do a lot of you can lie with statistics, but his mathematics seem to be pretty pretty solid. Uh, that there are repeating patterns that you see naturally, uh, and those patterns uh, fail when it comes to history, right? So uh, history is a is a creation. It's it, it's a lie. It's an illusion. It's the one thing that doesn't follow follow along, right? Here, so here, here's the thing, man. When you, when you have a question like this, where clearly there's someone who has an idea, but they're not sharing, um, places like the Eastern religions, the really old ones, would boil it down to logic, which is how I learned to do it. If you can't figure out a thing, just boil it down until it's as simple as it can be. In some of those Eastern philosophies, the idea was put forward that there's only two options. Either you've always been here or you were put here. Now, when you start to couple this with other logical deductions later, like all created things will see an end, which is provably true. But then there's the idea of the human spark, the divine spark going on. So if you put all these logical deductions um, in, in a row, it starts to become hard to argue that the divine spark portion of us has not always been here. Um, but that still doesn't answer the question. Yeah, and the one thing that I can say for sure is that I don't know. I don't think That's there is the a good bad, answer right? for it. I don't, I don't think so, because even, even if you look back to some of the oldest empires, we don't even have records from them saying, well, accurate records anyway, saying how they were even founded. It's all conjecture, really. Well, what's, right. you know, there, there's, there's certain, like, when he was pointing out Flamenco, um, what that tells you immediately is there's people who can do math at that level easily now, because people like Flamenco did it. They can take apart any narrative on the Internet with 800,000 times more data. But the things that we can observe are the things that get overlooked so often, like the burning of Notre Dame. Now, you and I covered that almost exactly two weeks. We were in that mind stream, and I was telling people um, that these are pathways and stone and glass put down for human beings to have a direction to travel. But my point here is, is if you go back to about somewhere around what they call the year 1000 up to the beginning of the Renaissance, human beings were at a level that's almost inconceivable and those cathedrals are proof although the church will have you believe that they built them it's not true notre dame was was built before the church had control of it um, and besides the early church was something different than it is now but if you go over to china that whole forbidden city and you look at the architecture there that is earthquake resistant up to like seven magnitude seven quakes and all this amazing beauty and technology and know-how and tied to nature, that all comes to a screeching halt right as we get to the 1600s. The reason for that is, is in my view, we officially entered the aim for hypermateriality as the basis for everything in human lives at the Renaissance. And the Renaissance gets, it gets boosted into, into power within the Catholic Church right around that time? Well, there's, there, three there's, guesses the first two don't count. Well, there's a number because we have Borgia going into it. We have Pope Alexander, who was a Borgia, who was Jewish, um, among other things. Well, it does and start with, the, uh, it ends with Esuits. 
Hey, oh, I want to say something about that, by the way, because <laughs> sometimes I look at comments and people seem to think that we're actively avoiding the Jesuits thing. Under no circumstances whatsoever are we avoiding pointing the finger at the Vatican, at the Vatican and the Jesuits. They are at the heart of nearly everything. Period. Poster. There, I've got it on record Rose. for the umpteenth time for everyone who seems to think we're just overlooking it for some reason. Po- post it, Rose. We've got the episodes to back it. Yeah, that's and what irritates me. We've got freaking episodes specifically about this. It's like, well, you're just shooting your mouth off without even knowing our work, so buzz off. And to that end, the other one that I see all the time is people go, oh, you're avoiding the Jews. Ah. Like, guys, look, if you really look at it, there are a number of different players, and and they all use similar methodologies, and they They all work hand-in-hand, and sometimes they pretend to be fighting each other, uh, but but there's a a variety of groups that all use the same kind of thing, so we can point them out and say, yeah, these guys, the Rothschilds, yeah, yeah, these guys, the Jesuits, yeah, these guys, the the Ashkenazi Jews, and you can point to a bunch of, okay, the the Illuminati, whoever, right? But they, they all work the same way they're all intertwined and they all seem to be uh, ultimately um, taking their cue from somewhere else who is a lot older than that right because you can trace this all the way back to you know babylon egypt further back you can go even all the way back into history right so um it's mentioned in the bible you got moloch you, i mean they're all doing the same stuff so if you think we're ignoring it one of the things people always go well who is they well, they're they're all they. All those guys who do that stuff, they're, they're they, right? So um, I don't think any of us are avoiding the issue, uh, but you just can't point your finger at one guy because I'm going to tell you this, that from my study, if you know who they are, if you've ever heard of them, that's not that's not who they are, right? The, the, uh, the guys you've heard of are simply serving the other guys. If you know they're, who they are, you, you've never heard of them. They're they not. They hide in the shadows, yeah. Well, the other problem is, is they're not genetically the same as the people who live in Israel, and that's demonstrable. And so it's also a sneaky double reverse, and there's the anti-Semite thing that will be brought to bear against you. But it's just so cleverly mixed up to get you to point at the wrong thing. And I've always said, you see someone doing something wrong, you call them by name and you point at them. And you don't, I don't believe in shouting down everyone they ever knew at the same time. But my point would be is I am more, I am almost too ironclad certain that I can demonstrate that the line was not Jewish as it should be understood in the modern era. Like if you pulled someone off the street in Israel and did a DNA on them, it's different. Not the same line. Yep. So, yeah, I think it's it's all just distraction, really. Well, what we can do is we can look at their means and methods. We can look for the way that they do it, and we can look for um, their signature, right? But but it doesn't matter who, what name they put on it. And they always keep changing their name. So um, to try to try to nail it down, that's a – man, that, that's a – exercise in futility it's almost like trying to figure out how the tides work right this is where reason it, goes to die that this relates to the redactions i was talking about the censorship of the bible to cover family lines and one of the biggest redactions that for some reason how many people study the bible how many people take it seriously um, how can it be that we haven't had people bring up why is moses line redacted from the bible how can it be that you can't say definitively who his parents were? And then for that matter, how can it be that he married a Midianite woman and his offspring were half Midianite, not even reaching the threshold for the, the temple rule that if your mother's not Jewish, you're not Jewish. It was all redacted out of, out of the scriptures, all of it. And by the way, Baldini told you who did it. Uh, Rose would like me to remind everyone that 
episodes 64 and 65 of Crow 777 Radio cover the new chronology, Fomenko, Jesuits, and the Benedictine monks. Monks, I remember doing a lot of research for those episodes. Hell yes, man. So there it is. The Jesuits are the brainchildren, and don't get me wrong. This is another example. If you look at the histories, and, and you got to be... The problem with doing this research is you've got to know quite a bit to be able to winnow because you're going to run into Josephus, and he's a liar, and he's a traitor to the Jewish people because he sold them out, too. If but he, he existed. Yeah, if he even existed, exactly. Right, Some, exactly. Someone, yeah, hard to someone, say with a lot of these figures. Someone was in those positions, but but the main point here is that some of those dudes, the history, they're, they're speaking 14 languages. They're going into places, supposedly, that they are just seeing the language for the first time. Within five years, they got a Bible in that language. Either that or they've decimated them, but they used the Benedictine monks were their whipping boys to pump out all their manuscripts and all their little plans. Yep. Now, this whole thing is a very hard line of research to get into, yep. because uh, when you're looking back at, at figures, especially somebody like Moses, uh, the thing is, what you need to understand is these redacted family histories from the Bible, you could still trace it a little bit forward if you know where to look, and uh, the secret societies kind of have tells as to this. Now, uh, for Moses in particular, here's a little secret that the secret societies don't want people to really know. But uh, this I found to be true just by looking at it. Uh, Moses correlates one-to-one with Hammurabi. So uh, if you look at the line of Hammurabi moving forward, you could kind of know a little something about Moses' family roots and stuff like that. And this is something that's kind of held up in the secret societies. This is something you don't find out until the higher levels of these things. So... uh, when you look at these different biblical figures or whatever figures from mythology, they interconnect in a lot of different ways. Uh, same thing could be said for if you're looking back biblically at the figure of Nimrod. Well, this is also one-to-one with Osiris in the Egyptian mysteries. So when you're looking at Nimrod, you're looking at Osiris. And once you could start to draw these lines and look out through these other sources, uh, it, it kind of starts to pull together. But you have to have a little bit of a foundation in some of the mystery teachings. Uh, a lot of so important. Yeah, that's why it's so important we look at mythology and, and try to look at some of these like Freemasonic references and Rosicrucian things, especially the older stuff. So, uh, you know... Well, break, it's, break out Hammurabi and Moses a little bit to show why. Everyone's familiar with why, or most people learned in like junior high, why Hammurabi's famous because of Lex Talonis or Talonis Lex. Uh, which is basically an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, is how it was taught in school. That was the law form that Hammurabi put on a famous Stella. So he's the lawgiver in that narrative. Well, that's exactly what Moses is um, in the narrative of the Old Testament. He's the law, the guy who brings the law. And there, there are. It's like the same. There's. It's like there's a handful of archetypes in our world, and there are no more. And they just get used over and over. But in terms of Josephus, um, to me, I've done enough on it now where I'll say what I say all the time, if he existed. But you see, we know the deeds existed. So to me, it starts to matter zero, whether I could actually prove he existed or not. We can prove the names existed and the deeds existed. In his case, long on that one. Yeah, the big the big tell for for Josephus is uh, Flavius. The tie to the Flavius, that's the Caesarly upper crust of Rome. And it's telling the tale of how Rome was taken over. People just don't realize it, basically. 
All right, let's move on to the birth of religion. Now, this is both an easy and a hard one. It's quite easy because early man almost certainly based any religious beliefs they had around really one thing, and that's what they could see in nature around them, predominantly the sky. This is why Crow came up with the concept of the sky clock. Most early religions were based off of something they saw in the sky, predominantly the sun, sometimes the moon and a few other celestial objects, but for the most part, the sun. Everything, mostly everything, was sun worship. See, I'm going to stick my neck out a little bit here and challenge that a little bit, and I go, that's what they told us, along with all the other nonsense. Right. I don't see I don't see religion coming into play until much later uh, that they went backwards and said this is how they did it. Um, from everything that I can tell, um, there was a uh, kind of a much more spiritual thing. Religion came much later and they threw it backwards. And so right. they told us these things and overlaid it and said, oh yes, they were just they were too dumb and they were trying to figure out what they saw around them. And so they had to anthropomorphize and deitize everything. I don't buy it. I think it's the same lie that they told us. It's just the same as evolution. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that that a lot of, that that that's the story that's been told, but I don't buy it. Um, I, I'm I'm actually with you on this, Baldini, for the simple reason uh, that Mithras, um, also known as whatever the hell his other name is for the upper crust people that want to worship him, I think you're spot on that when the religion came. Um, they were beginning to narrow this much more spiritual tied to nature idea. In other words, you don't just worship the sun. You can see a moon. By the way, what are all those other big luminaries? Why are we just looking at this one thing? They looked at it holistically. And as religion started to come to be Vatican, you know, that's always yep. going to be the epicenter. Yep. Um, uh, I, they were that. narrowing it down to only the sun. Um, and that's how they did the switchover with mythism. Yeah, they put um, uh, tradition. Saul Invictus. That's who yeah, and they they put in they put tradition on it, and you can do it within three generations, and just say, hey, it's the way it's always been, and, and you don't know, right? Because your grandparents are dead, right? So they don't know. So they say, oh, this is the way it's always been, and blah blah blah. But but again, I I just don't buy that the the narrative that they give us, and and from everything that I can tell, if I the farther back I can go, um, that, that they had a very different view of things, and that um, what we see in terms of myth, mythos, the sky clock, and that sort of stuff was it was an allegorical language. Language they use to, to use it to tell a story. So you can say, um, so you're going to tell a story, and you're going to take a point and go say, this is a tangible object, and I can say, see, this does this, and this does this like that. And so you use it like metaphor. And so a lot of Aesop's fables would be a great uh, analogy to this. That you can say the tortoise and the hare, right? And we can now put that to the the sun and the moon. Um, that, that the you know that they go both circle around, and the moon is slower than the sun. Um, but the you know the tortoise wins the race, slow and steady. Wins the race, so you can take a lot of these things and say, um, sure, there was some some allegorizing to it, uh, but 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 from my point of view, um, the, the idea that a ancient man was so dumb uh, that they couldn't figure things out, and so they just made some shit up, pulled it out of their ass uh, to explain things that they couldn't understand, doesn't fly with me at all. Well, I think you're um, misunderstanding what I'm saying. I said the birth of religion, not the birth of spirituality. No, I know I agree, but it, I'm yeah. just saying that the this, the narrative that we're given, um, which is that uh, kind of religion has always been with us from a, um, you know, uh, again uh, the idea that that people didn't understand what was going on around them, so they made up ideas. No, uh, that's the control. This is my whole point. Yeah. This is what the whole show is about: is the control. You, you, people right. were in touch with nature because way back when they weren't doing. See this thing? They weren't doing this all the time. 
Right. So what I'm just saying is that the the modern narrative that's been given to us about um, ancient mythos is mostly, to, to my view, wrong. Um, they're not telling us what the ancient mythos is, and they've made up something else so that we would go, oh, that's retarded, right? So we think it's silly. Uh, in the same way that they threw out the idea that um, people were so dumb that they thought the earth was flat, right? In, in, despite the fact that all of our senses tell us that it's uh, flat and, and stationary, uh, well, uh, you just don't, can't believe your senses. Believe us, right? Yeah, so. Yeah. You know what ends up being true, if you logically look at it, is that religion is the perversion of spirituality. There you go. And, and, and the way second. that it's in the way that it's been used, and and I can back this up all day. And this is not a shot at anyone's beliefs, but I can show outright that uh, Mithra, the the kind of sun worship, uh, there was one version of it called Sol Invictus, which went into the Praetorian Guard of Rome, and then the centurions and lower people. Uh, worship Mithra, but it was the same thing. And these, there was done in caves, and they were always under the the budding Christian areas of the world. But here's the kicker: when the last pope, and he was called the Pope of Mithra, um, was put down, the Pope of the Vatican took his vestments, that mitre hat that everyone's used, and to this day, his throne, the Mithraic throne, is the Pope's throne, and so is the altar. Um, so these things are demonstrable. It's it's when the spirituality, which is legitimate of human beings, becomes hijacked, then we can call it religion. Yeah. Okay. Tradition. Here's my viewpoint on this. Yeah. Go ahead, Wayne. Jump. Jump. Here's in. my viewpoint on this. Ancient man had a very good understanding of the natural archetypes, and he uh, venerated that there was a creator being that made all of this. So man looked at the sky and wondered at uh, the greatness of this creator that created all of these wonderful things that made this world operate the way it did. So what they did is they allegorized these different ideas that they saw in nature around them and told them in stories, myths, if you will, all these different things. So here's the thing. I mean, even when you look at uh, different religious ideas, like look at Christianity. How did Jesus teach the people? He taught via parables. So this is an important thing because this is kind of a very personalized thing for each person to take in this information in a certain way, uh, to be able to understand these archetypes in a very personal way uh, is through the conveyance of, of this type of story to people. And this is an important spiritual idea that's often overlooked. And uh, religion, by and large, although I think originally uh, when the first uh, you know peoples started founding these religions or whatever – Although they had good ideas and good intentions with it, it's become a control scheme more so than anything. So Bingo. that's kind of where we're at yeah. today. But the, the point you made about the parables is the key here. Because when you deliver a parable to a person, the learning becomes unique to that person. You could almost call it like a living Bible. In other words, every hand that touches it every year that hears it will learn in their unique way what it means to them. And that, in fact, begins to delineate the difference between a religious allegory or a spiritual. See, in a spiritual in a, in a spiritual world, no person is barred from pursuing the Creator or whatever it is they want to. But in a religious tradition, everything bars you. You've got yeah, to believe what the group does. You've got to interpret the text this way, even though those guys over there with the same text are interpreting it that way. And what actually happens is if you take an idea like the Living Bible, under those kind of aegises, it, it's not living anymore. A corporation is now directing you 
what it means and what you're allowed to believe about it. Um, right. The religious and, ideas have taken on more of a dogmatic thought right. form rather than yep. a personalized one. So religion, basically, by and large, it holds up dogma more so than personal experience. You can and that's always, wrong. You can always tell by the magic outfits, man. You start getting the robes, <laughs> yeah. the vestments, and the, like the, the yeah. freaking altar like and the, the chalice. Man, as soon as you see those things, okay, wait a minute, am I watching Wicca here, or yeah, is it something else yeah. going on? <laughs> Well, in fact, I'll, I'll even uh, go a little bit further than than what Wayne is saying. And, and uh, again, a little bit of speculation and some hypothesis, but I, I, I consider it within the realm of possibility. And there are a lot of things within the realm of possibility. But the idea of allegorizing these stories within the star, um, I, again, I, I'm not entirely convinced that, that the creator himself didn't put it there. It, you know, you go back to what Werner von Braun put uh, on his headstone, which is Psalm 19.1, <laughs> which says specifically, the heavens declare the glory of God and the, the firmament proclaims his handiwork, right? And and there has been uh, extant this long idea uh, that the original um, meaning of the Zodiac itself tells the story uh, of the creator, uh, and that's why uh, each of these things doesn't look like what it is described. Like, I mean, you know, Virgo doesn't look like a, a woman, you know, <laughs> um, you know, Aquarius doesn't really look like a, a water bearer. Um, you have to really be on ayahuasca or really stretch your imagination to, to figure those, to, to make it look like those things so um that th there is some i think some credence to that idea uh again i don't know how far to put my foot down on it other than to say um it, it, i consider it within the realm of possibility that those things were put there and told to us uh, as a way to remember uh, and we have forgotten you know i don't think jason and i have ever covered it but even if you take the zodiac symbols that we still currently use um, if you look where there's a round edge or where the cross symbol comes or all these little three separate parts, the idea of a moon or a sun, it's incredible how much information is housed in those little symbols. We should do that at some point, Jason. Yeah, that's um, very interesting. Show people how to, to take them apart and read if, if it's a sign with a cross in it, what it, you know, all these things. It's actually it's beyond ingenious because it relates to the kind of air, earth, fire, water ideas, the philosophical principles. But it's clear when you begin to understand something about this. This was not a fly-by-night, silly-billy thing that was put together. Um, things like that get put together over time by people who are not stupid. Yeah, I'm fascinated with this uh, new 13th one, the uh, Ophiuchus, um, the, the serpent. Um, serpent <laughs> error. Yeah. yeah, it's it's re really fascinating. In fact, that uh, my uh, my ast astrological sign actually would be in that sign, uh, rather th rather than Sagittarius with Scorpio. I, I'm both. Yeah. I'm both Sag and Ophiuchus. Yeah, I, I'm Sagittarius with Scorpio rising right on the right on the edge, but it would actually put me in Ophiuchus uh, um, with the with the kind of sidereal reading of that. So I mean, it's just fascinating to me, and uh, something I've often wondered about. I, I know that uh, in Scripture, uh, you know, uh, Abraham was considered an astrologer. Uh, the the Magi were considered astrologers. They uh, they all read the the, the stars. Uh, and there's a lot more there uh, than the hocus pocus we're led to believe it is. And, and with most of these things, when they tell us it's hocus pocus, whether whether it's um, you know the astrological uh, thing of the stars or whether it's uh, uh, alchemy, they they say it's you know they poo poo it and say there's just a bunch of you know dumb people uh, making stuff up. Uh, again, with with any of these things, the more they the more they try to discredit it, the the more you should look into it. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. Well, I'll tell you, you know, if I had my way, there would be a few books that were required reading. 
or, or at least put on a list of very important for those who want to read. And Devil's Pulpit will always be one of those books because it proves beyond doubt. And I took a lot of time to try to match the rise, you know, the helical rise of things. Um, they're all spot on in that book. But what it's showing you is that all these ideas were mirrored in the sky above your head. And there was a time when people actually knew what it meant and they ran your li- and their lives by that clock. Um, the problem becomes is that we run into the same reason I, I made up the word sky clock is because now we're trying to have a conversation where if you say religion, the sky clock people are going to go away. If you say sky clock, the religious people are going to go It's It's a difficult, you know, row to hoe, basically. And I got to hand it to you, Crow. That was, a, that was a brilliant term that you came up with. And so, so many people in our community are using it now because it's such a spot on description of what it is. I mean, it, it is a sky clock mechanism in the sky and it keeps time and uh, I mean it says right there in Genesis let them be for signs and seasons and days and years I mean it's clearly what it's for but it's a brilliant term uh, uh, well we need, an, we need another one that deals with spirituality outside of religion um, because we have the same problem now I'll work and on it it's mostly, <laughs> it's mostly in western traditions that people get so wrapped up that that Everything becomes fighting words. Now, these days, it, everything everything is so emotionalized, right? They, they've got everybody so emotionally tied and triggered. It's just, it's really difficult. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, right. What? People get triggered easily? What? <laughs> yeah, especially no, these you're days. You're kidding. No way. I got to take five. I'll be back in two minutes. So let's move yeah, on to the next I point, wait, then. Wait, you got to take five. Take five what? Take five. Well, I'd say I, I don't know. He'll be back in two minutes, so I tap it twice, that. and if it's three times, you're playing with it. We all know how that goes. Mercy. <laughs> so we are running low on time, but let's see if we can get through some more of these. Let's talk about government and what govern, that actually control, means. The mind, <laughs> govern, govern to control meant the mind. There, there you go. <laughs> Next. Yep. That says it all, doesn't it? I think it does say it all. Now, while in early days, loose governments probably were beneficial to all, especially when you were fighting off wild beasts at night, I think it's safe to say at this point that governments are self-serving to the max and don't give a flying fajita about their people, but will try and convince you that they do while they're stabbing you in the back. Indeed. So let's move on to royalty and the concept of royalty. Oh. And the fact that royalty... Hey, that's hand-in-hand hand with government. <laughs> yeah, government, except for uh, with religion. So we tie those in there because they all claim the, the divine right of rule. All of them. Yes, and where does that come from? Well, they, they, except for instead of claiming the creator right to rule, they all went to the, the serpent or dragon right to rule. Hmm, wonder, huh, who did that? Maybe, I don't know, Satan? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, if you if you look at the coat of arms, you look at uh, almost every royal bloodline. Uh, they all venerate the serpent and the the dragon. Uh, so just look it up. Don't 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 listen to me. Go look it up for yourself. Uh, they're um, they're following a course that um, uh, most most of us here would not. And uh, they they do some pretty awful things in the name of keeping power. That's for sure. And and most royalty, I would say, maybe all royalty at this point. They're not really royal at all. I mean, even the ones that get on too many magazines and are fawned over by way too many people, uh, they're not only not English. They're either German with ties to Transylvanian, or there's a possibility that they might even have, and I'm going to say the word, they might have Jewish ties. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. 
Are you Meshuggana? Oy. Ah, voy. <laughs> Oy, vo, vo, voy. So there you have it. Royalty is not really royal. It's all a scam, folks. To quote my one of my favorites from George Carlin, it's all bullshit, folks, and it's bad for you. Pop, poppycock. All right, let's try to hit on technology. Ah. Ooh, baby. Now, That's a big one. That is <coughs> this, a good this one. Is Wayne, this is Wayne's category. It is. Wayne, why don't you go ahead and take this one since you've spoken the least here. Um, technology. Where to begin with this? Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, that's it's all of the above. It's good. It's bad. It's ugly. I could agree and with that. People hold it up. People hold it up uh, and venerate it higher than any god. So uh, it, it's it's a bad thing in that regard because uh, this directly ties to the whole transhumanist philosophy. Uh, when you're looking at uh, this whole Luciferian idea that uh, man, through the use of his intellect, could become God, and then you come up with these different technologies to attempt to make that so uh, via transferring your consciousness into uh, the computer cloud and uh, being able to live forever, uh, this becomes a, you know, in the view of the transhumanists, a, a perceivable reality for them. So... This is uh, where where we sit today, and everything going on right now is directly related to this whole idea, uh, the whole technocratic control grid that they're trying to put in place right now, where everybody's tracked and monitored 24-7, all your associations are known and monitored, uh, they want to ID you with a, uh, a quantum dot uh, tattooed onto your person, uh, delivered via vaccination, and uh, have all your information tied yeah, to this yeah, quantum yeah, dot, yeah. which, by the way, I've seen a lot of things out there debunking the whole idea of uh, people being microchipped or something through this whole uh, idea. And, yeah, it's technically it's not a microchip. It's a quantum dot. You know what a quantum dot does, folks? Everything a microchip does. So if you want like, to really push the point and say, oh, it's not a microchip – no, it's not a microchip. It works just like one, though, but it's a little bit less invasive. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it, your body's less likely to uh, reject it. But uh, same idea. So they want to tie everybody's uh, digital identity to this whole quantum dot idea, uh, tie all your bank account information to there. Your social credit score, which, by the way, is a real thing going on here in the West. Right now, they just haven't uh, rolled it out publicly yet. You, they have a social credit score on you guys, just so yeah, you know. It's already there. Uh, it's there. China, China has had it for something like seven or eight years. Yeah, we, we have for for a while. Years, no, I have... mean ours. I mean us in the West. China had it. And by the yeah. way, now you know why they chip dogs first. That's God backwards. <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you this. I I postulate, uh, and I think it's demonstrable uh, that the introduction of technology particularly since the late 1920s, early 1930s, was done for the specific intention uh, that we would adopt it, So, but used uh, specifically for a surveillance tool. That's primarily it was its use. Uh, they had to convince us that there were ways to use it uh, that, that we would find attractive, but its primary intention from the outset uh, was to uh, both aggregate the data and to collect the data, and that's its primary function from the outset. Uh, everything else is secondary and tertiary uh, down the line um, to make us want 
want it, but uh, I posit, and I think you would have a, a difficult time uh, disproving the idea uh, that technology introduced to the to the public uh, was done specifically uh, for those purposes. I, I can give you I proof. Would, I, the, po- the Pope reached out to Walter Russell and threatened him and said, don't publish the Universal One again. Um, there's your proof, right? Because that goes the other way. I mean, it underscores what you're saying all day long. Right. And to further underscore what you're saying uh, with this is uh, they view technology as a means to an end, and the end is control. And this is what it's always been about. And that's why what they're doing by introducing these technologies and getting people addicted to them and uh, getting people to want them and to actually pay for them, uh, what they're doing is they're they're slowly, well, they've been slowly, but now it's been actually very rapid the past few years. They're, they're getting people to be so hooked to these devices and these technologies that they can't live without them. So, you know, this once again ties back to the whole idea of uh, actually tying you to a computer uh, every day of your life from cradle to grave. And this way, you could be controlled and manipulated in a cybernetic system uh, just like everything else. And just like we discussed in the whole Silent Weapons from Quiet Wars document last week. Just, I was going to bring that exactly. This is exactly what it is. Yep. This is a way to control you via technology. They could do this. They they know the right inputs, the right outputs. Uh, They have your data, and whoever controls the data is king in this new age. Data's a new oil. that out in no uncertain terms that that ultimately uh, power is uh, and control is what they want, and the only question is who gets it. Well, it does also bring up the idea that if there is a creator and if they are trying to replace a higher authority, natural law, God's law, whatever you want to call it, they're in a pretty squeaky position, I would estimate. Um, And so we kind of know these things are factual from the simple idea of universal rights. If they could just put a, a bullet, bomb, gun, bayonet and force at you know, bayonet point, everyone to do what they want, which they could, why won't they? Because Part of they it's- laid it out specifically in that document that we read. They must have... Uh, exactly, act- that's, that's what I'm getting at. So yeah, exactly. the point I'm making here is if everyone goes back to understand that there's a higher court, a highest court, the idea of God, the idea of a creator, there's a real problem on the hands of the artificial God people that are taking control of the world right now. Because by proof, by proxy, by their actions, by the laws we see, they cannot just take your universal freedoms. And that is because those universal freedoms come from a higher court. Yep, they must have your consent. Now, they'll lie to you to get it. They'll trick you. They'll do everything they can to get it, but they must have your consent. They'll obfuscate it massively. Ain't getting mine. Ain't getting mine. I'd rather see the pearly gates than give my consent. Absolutely. And I, and I recommend for everybody, and I have for, for some time, you got to make up your mind now where that point is uh, that, that you will not consent and, and you will not uh, you know, go quietly into that long good night. Um, I've made up my mind that they, they're not going to get my consent. I never have, never will. Um, and as the more I know, uh, the, the more I, I refuse. So, What, what they're going to end up doing is trying to put up a situation where you can't move. It's going to be a bit revelationist trying to buy or get on a plane, um, they're going to try to make those things impossible. But you see, if they don't get iron-fisted control in this year, I think they've got real problems. But here's the real kicker. Even the last president swore an oath to the Constitution in his underhanded method that he 
to use. But the point is, is if every court in this world is already not completely owned, operated, they've got a problem because these older, higher ideas exist. And the fact remains that nobody has to give their consent ever. You could simply say, no, I'll take all the stumbling blocks you put in front of me. But my point is, someone's going to take this to court and then there's going to be a lot of somebodies and then you're really going to see where we stand. Did they stack it all the way? Is every legal avenue now blocked? And I would submit that if that is true, then they've violated your universal rights. I think that I think they have. I think they've overplayed their hand. But ultimately, um, uh, you know what what I see, and I think you're right when it you know comes down to the kind of the um, you know the apocalyptic version that no one will be able to buy or sell without it. They're going to uh, put you in a situation where you still have a choice. You you still must choose, uh, but that choice will be essentially between you know your life and uh, uh, or at least comfort, but but possibly your life or or, or their, their way. So you still get a choice. It's just a really crappy one. Uh, but they must have your choice. They're, they're looking from that oration from a corpse, aren't they? That corpse oration, the speaking dead. That's right. By the way, I'd like to take a moment to address uh, Walter Russell and the main organization backing his work. If you've been enjoying what Crow and I have been covering, and we've got another episode coming up with their science officer, if you're going to buy any of their books, uh, if at all possible, get it through their website, just because they are struggling because of all the nonsense right now, and that's an organization that needs to stay around. So if at all possible, support them through their website, philosophy.org. Anything you'd like to add on that, Crow? No, um, that that is critically important. And part of what's gone on here is they're trying to permanently set a stage regardless of what happens next. And I think everyone can realize there's going to be a crap load of businesses that are not coming back from this. There are going to be untold numbers of human beings that won't be going back to work. Even in a normal economy, when people lose their jobs, on average, it takes six months to a year to find another job. When you do it to a few million people, and by the way, when automation is coming in behind them, the people who are not highly skilled, they may not go back to work, which is why you're starting to hear, oh, the government will cut everyone a subsistence check. My point here is part of the plan was absolutely to do away with places like philosophy.org. Um, and again, that's proven out by the Pope taking a special interest to make a threat to Walter Rustle, which is a telling thing on its own. Because here's a man who claims he reached illumination for 39 days. That is the goal of every spiritual endeavor that's ever been in this world. And yet the Pope had the Neptunian nuggets to reach out and say, hey, dude, if you publish that again, we'll put you down like a dog. <laughs> Neptunian nuggets, you like that one, Baldi? I'm going to use it, man. I'll send you a check for the royalties, but that, that's tits, man. I like it. I was trying to get Uranus in there, but I didn't <laughs> Uh, now that one's overplayed. You know Please don't put that in there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Taking a left turn tonight. Um, uh, from technology, uh, we are running out of time. Let's do aliens. Yeah, aliens. Now, quite aliens. honestly, the concept of aliens really is not any older than the 19th century, as far as I know or can remember. But 
Crow and I did do an episode off, on this. Yeah, from Off World started. Yeah, late late eighteen hundreds. Right before that, the concept was always more of a multi-dimensional thing, or or tied to religious concepts such as demons Demon and off. that sort yeah. of thing, uh, or the gods. The gods are kind of thought of as as mildly uh, extra-dimensional, that kind of thing. But the concepts of uh, little green men from Mars, kind of thing. That's a, that's more of an H.G. Wells late eighteen hundreds kind of concept. And he works an heliocentric model. <laughs> well, and that's just part of it. You know that this concept can be written into many other narratives, and I hope folks realize what we're trying to do here. We're pointing out to everyone, in a reasonable order of appearance, how societies were manipulated from the beginning on up. Everything we've discussed has massive manipulation in one form or another, even if some aspects of truth are in some of these topics and of course there there is some uh truth in some of them this is not this is not for our benefit let's put it that way these things all are being skewed against us in some way shape or form but we've covered aliens a lot uh, wayne has contributed and crow and i have done it more than once but who wants to take a, a shot at aliens on anything that maybe hasn't been discussed yet I'll, I'll just say that aliens as we see them now are just another version of hyper-materiality. Um, what's basically going on is it's this idea that everybody's material like we are. They're similar. The only reason they're so badass is because they're cool technology. And I would point out that before we had ideas like this, the real technology was spiritual technology, mental technology, how high a human could become as a living being, how far up the spiritual ladder and what what aliens and, and UFOs do is they seek to crush these ideas again and bring it back to the best you can be is the best tech you can make. And by the way, they like to anal probe you. These are all material <laughs> ideas. There <laughs> oh you go with Uranus again. I had to get it in there. I was going to see if someone drew the line. <laughs> I in. couldn't figure it out. I was trying to get Venus. No, don't get me started. Get the loop in there. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll go a step you know, further. I think that uh, certainly we've seen, uh, I think many people are hip to the idea that uh, the alien is a deception. And so if we say that they're alien, yes, they're not from this place. If they're extra dimensional, I'll go with that. Extraterrestrial? Nah, not really. Uh, and there's no evidence of that. But uh, ultimately, I think the alien deception is coming. Uh, I think that's pretty well... Uh, accepted by most of us and there's all sorts of stuff project blue beam that sort of thing but i i think if um if you kind of tie it all together and you go back to um you know uh chariots of the gods and you go back to um uh, what, what's his name uh that did uh inky and um the yeah, anunnaki yeah but the guy who wrote the book in the 60s Sitchin. that yeah, Alexander Sitchin, uh, that did that. I, I think that, um, w again, with that sort of zeitgeist idea that kind of came along there, uh, I, I think it would be a, a very easy play, uh, right, to, to have them uh, show up and say, oh, hey, you know, we, we created you guys. Uh, in fact, all that junk DNA, um, if you look at it, here's our machine right here. We'll show it to you. It says uh, copyright uh, 4331, the Anunnaki Corporation, right? It's in every, I'll, I'll take your DNA. There it is right there. See, we made you. Uh, in fact, uh, anything that you thought uh, happened in the history, 
history in the Bible or any spiritual writings. See, here it is. We've got holographic 3D uh, movie of that moment. See how see how it is. It'd be very compelling, uh, and it'd be you know very easy to, uh, to do, um, you know, for, from their perspective. So again, in, any uh, sufficiently high technology uh, is indistinguishable from magic. And so, um, if these beings have been around for as long as the I it seems to me they have, uh, they certainly have given us our technology, uh, and you know, uh, they they would have stuff that that looks very impressive. Uh, it'd be a very compelling story for for those who are are not um, already aware of the deception. So uh, again, most people will will buy it, and uh, I can easily tie that to what again what it says in uh, in the Bible. Again, there's uh, there's much truth in there, but it says uh, that they'll be given a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, and I think that's a a very strong uh, delusion. Wait till AI gets here. Can you imagine when people are living in AI? How easy it'll be to create <laughs> one-eyed beasts from outer space? Absolutely. I, yipper. Yipper. When, once your brain is tied to the transhumanist control grid, well, uh, they could control your perceptions. All deals so. are off at that place. Any play is possible yep. once you're tied in. I mean, you just won't know. You won't be able to tell what's real and what's not at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Precisely. Yep. So right. that is there any greater delusion than that? I mean, I, I won't be here for that that show. Um, I'll be <laughs> yeah. turning in my backstage pass. <laughs> but, but is there any greater delusion than that? I would say the only one is that uh, that we're God, right? Uh, we're, we're equal to the Creator God. I mean, He He said, uh, "Know you not that you are gods?" So we're uh, we're a mini me. Uh, I'll give it that. But uh, we can't exceed Him, uh, and that uh, we're not going to somehow go through apotheosis and become equal to or greater than. Uh, that that's probably a bigger delusion. I don't know, man. We're all going to feel pretty silly if we wake up next week and realize we've been laying on a table all this time. That would be weird, huh? <laughs> or, or, or you know, in the in the Matrix, <laughs> you wake up. And you're yeah, but I know kung fu. Oh, I know. <laughs> time to wake up, copper top. He's going to pop. <laughs> all right, let's exactly. uh, let's see if we can get these last couple points in. Uh, science and the differences between science and scientism, and why this is important to understand. I'll throw this one in one sentence. Uh, science is a process. It's a methodology that shows empirical evidence through a process of the scientific method. Uh, scientism uh, is the exact it's pseudoscience. It's, it's anything that claims that it is science-based. Uh, so once they provide uh, veracity and make you believe uh, that, that everything is evidentiary-based, then they just circumvent that. They lie to you and say, well, because we say so. And scientism is a religion. Boom. Scientism is, in fact, a religion that wears the vestments of authority. There it is, plain and simple. Right. Science is something that is actually generally good. You should always be using a, a, a scientific approach to things so that you can verify what it is you're trying to figure out, for better or for worse. You figure out what is going on, and you, you use methods that can be reproducible. Scientism, if, if this is a newer term, too. I don't think this really existed years back. It's basically a religious belief. It's a concept that you're taking science but making that your belief and completely denying the fact that you're doing it in the first place. Most people who really get into this, they disregard just about everything else, especially natural things. Yes, they deny that it's a right. belief system. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's one thing about right. the science, though, that I think I would amend there. Yeah, it's useful. Yeah, it's great. But until the point when it can be coupled back to the spiritual needs and concerns of human beings, it's a stumbling block. Because, well, yeah, it'll, it'll give you a badass TV, but I'll, guess what? You're not yeah, going but that's anywhere a, high. That's a 
conflation of science and technology, and those are not the same things. Uh, so, and how's it, how's the saying go that uh, science without uh, spirituality is blind, and spirituality without science is dead, or something, so, or, or the other way around? But uh, but basically, again, all science tries to do that the the scientific method really is a cause and effect relationship, right? Uh, so that we we look for a, we look at a at an observation and we say, hey, what causes that? And so we do experiments using the scientific method to say, uh, can we show what the cause of that effect is? That's it. Um, it's been conflated to mean all kinds of stuff in uh, uh, you know vernacular, and it doesn't mean that, right? So people will say, oh, the whole body is science. Science doesn't have a body. That's that's nonsense. It's poppycock. Um, so uh, astronomy, uh, theoretical physics, uh, you know, um, uh, astrophysics. None of those are scientists. They're not. They're, they can't comport to the scientific method at all. They can't get past observation. They have no independent variable. They can't. They can't wiggle time. They can't wiggle space. It's a lie. They're not scientists. They are liars. They're priests. They're wizards. They are lying to you. It's a religion. Right, and that's science. that's the it's whole not thing. It's science. It's a whole faith-based system based upon something called science. Which, by the way, and here's my major problem with it, is even though science and scientific method, uh, this is a good thing for exploring different avenues of thought. But there are other methodologies that can be used to try to discern truths, and science as a whole overlooks this and that's part of what's been going on in our society is they've adopted this whole science idea as the only universal truth in finding answers to things and how things work and how things operate right and but keep, see that's the whole thing that, there are other methods you could use to discern different things yeah and keep but, in mind for example that even the physical laws right so we went through earlier uh, the laws of thermodynamics those are not those are outside the scientific method because they don't show cause and effect. We know that there are laws because they happen predictably over time. We can measure them and, and we can predict with them. But we cannot explain the why. We, we cannot get to the, the cause of these effects. They simply are. Those are not science. Those are physical laws. And again, this is the kind of conflation that they've done is to twist everything around, right? Uh, 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 the theory of gravity has nothing to do with science. It's poppycock. It's something that somebody pulled out of their ass and it can never be proven, right? But e even the physical laws laws of nature are not science, right? We use them in science, but scientific method is a particular, very narrow, precise thing. And it, it's not bad. It just shows it's a, a way to demonstrate cause and effect method. But so many things now have been labeled science. It's nonsense. And, and one of the biggest things is conflating technology with science. Science gave me a computer. No, it didn't. <laughs> Yeah. No, it didn't. In fact, uh, electronics did that, and that has more to do with Maxwell and Planck's law, uh, laws than anything else, and that's not science, right? And to be perfectly honest, we don't even fully understand electricity or magnetism, but we, we're using it, right? So uh, it's not science. Let, let me, right. let me see if I can sum up here, guys. So maybe this is where we've come. Religion is a perversion of spirituality, but scientism is a perversion of religion. Is that about summing it up? I dig Scienti it. Yeah. That is scientism a great way to leave this episode, too. Absolutely. Well done, Crow. I, th I think the other the couple of the points I had pretty much got tied into other things. Uh, one term I'm not going to say, but we all know these things go on, and that's untrue emblems of your country. Uh, we know these things go on. There's absolutely no doubt that these things go disingenuous on. Disingenuous distractions. Yeah. Dis disingenuous designation distractions. They go on, and if you can't see it, you're freaking blind. Let's see. The last points I wanted to throw in there real quick <clears throat> were secret societies. We kind of touched on them. I, I'm pretty They're sure secret that secret, yeah. mm -hmm. secret societies seem to have started 
from a very early point in whatever humanity's real history is, predominantly so that one group of people could, could control the majority of the people. I think that's about as uh, easy of a definition I can come up with. And of course, we touched in a lot on the current situation of the beer bug. Uh, is there some sort of sickness? Sure, there always is. Is it what they're saying it is? No. No, it never is. No, absolutely not. Oh, by the way, guys, as an interesting side note, a fruit just pe- tested positive for yeah, COVID-19. I saw yeah, that. Yep. Isn't that cool, like that a fruit tested and a positive and a goat, too? Well, the story wow. behind that, I'll right, is you. that they that they uh, <laughs> took samples from a goat and a pawpaw because one of the uh, – was it the Ugandan uh, health minister? Didn't believe it. So he took – in addition to the other samples, he took a pawpaw test and a goat, and he sent it in and gave them just a human name and age uh, and sent it into the lab, and they came back positive, and he went, stinks to high heaven. <laughs> uh, so that's the story behind it. He, he kind of pulled the, uh, you know, the wool over their eyes, as it were. I think it's great. Okay, so let's get this straight. A mannequin, a fruit, a goat, and a tiger, and a cat, and a dog have all tested positive for COVID-19. I thought, now I thought you were going point. with a joke there, Wayne. I was going to go, <laughs> yeah, I was no, waiting for, no, the, I was is, waiting for the rabbi and the priest. Right, I was going to say, hey, you know, three <laughs> Did they walk into a bar? Three, yeah, three, three tin, uh, tinfoil hat wearers walk into a, into a bar. Coincidence? What, I not. Yeah. All right, anybody want to make any final points before I wrap her up for the night? It's not a tinfoil hat. Mine is a Faraday fedora. There you uh, go. We got Crow? 217 coming out tomorrow morning. I got to get up early and get it out with Lena Poo. Oh, yeah. And her new reverse liability documents where she is attempting to add as the last step enforcement. Yep. She's got some really good stuff going on. Uh, hopefully everybody will join us tomorrow at Crow 777 Radio. Wayne, anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so, man. I mean, you know, just uh, the the usual stuff. People know where to find me. Um, nothing really much to contribute right now, except uh, maybe offer people a little hope here because I, I'm starting to see people waking up right and left to all of this nonsense going on, and they're getting just about to the tipping point, to the breaking point with this stuff. So, you know, I, I want to say uh, enough numbers of people if they start waking up the way that they have been and just say enough is enough already, let's put an end to all this nonsense because people are realizing it's a whole lot of nonsense going on. It's it's not really merited, like the, the reaction to this whole thing. Is there a real sickness? Yeah, probably. But it's not anything like it's been described, and people are realizing this. And they're they're getting frustrated and mad, and their livelihoods have been put on hold. And... Uh, it's getting to the point now where there's actually food shortages and stuff in the stores. So it's it's reaching a tipping point, and people are not going to tolerate it much longer. And I could see that just talking to your average normal people, uh, the, the ones that normally would not think in any type of conspiratorial lines, are now saying, this is all nonsense. They're just trying to control us. This is This is bad. This is not the way things should be handled. So they're they're starting to wake up to the idea. So it's just a matter of uh, getting people to rally together and uh, just do this whole massive civil disobedience thing. But that's, I, w- I would I would I would add to that. Um, you know, the the advice is be angry but sin not. Right? If we uh, if we do get angry and we, we want to fight back and make that violence, um, I think they're prepared for that. And to me, that may be part of what they want. Again, don't lose order. 
Yeah, I said uh, earlier uh, that, again, if we acquiesce and just lay down, they won. Uh, but if we rise up with violence, I think they're prepared for that, and it gives them a pretext uh, to put the boot on the neck. So um, uh, my encouragement, again, is to operate from a place of uh, of a positive higher-mindedness, of, of love. I mean, again, be angry. Be angry, but but sin not, right? So um, it, right. it is anger is a powerful motivation to correct injustice. And do we see injustice? Absolutely, right? So let's Mm-hmm. Let's direct our energy to correct that injustice, uh, but let's do it wisely uh, and with compassion if possible, remembering that those people who are still wearing those wool coats, um, uh, you did once too, right? Uh, you, you once believed exactly the same things that they do. You were once under the spell as well. Uh, and if you'd like to break that spell, here's my little plug. Join me uh, at 9 a.m. at Unintended Consequences, uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, uh, UTC minus 7 uh, at Un- Unintended Consequences channel. Uh, we'll do a live stream there. Uh, um, always an interesting time and some of your favorite friends uh, with you there as well. So there you go. All right. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Bingo. And don't miss the sweet two ball canon code in tomorrow's episode image. Absolutely. And don't miss gravy Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I should have used gravy Jesus. <laughs> I'm right here. What do you want? <laughs> GJ. Hey, GJ. I got a question for you, gravy Jesus. Yes, my uh, son. Jesus turned water into wine. If I drink enough wine and have to make water, does that make me the Antichrist? It just might, but only on Tuesdays. (laughs) Don't be be reversing the process there, Hellion. All right. (laughs) Jason has the power to turn chicken broth into gravy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's always a pleasure to talk to you guys. It's always a highlight of my week. Absolutely. So I hope everyone enjoyed our little breakdown and our walk through history. What did we want to point out here? That they're pulling the wool over our eyes over every topic you could possibly think of. The bad guys are doing something here. Something like that, yeah. So keep your higher-mindedness about you at all times and join us again next week. And, of course, Sunday, the next show will be uh, the live stream with Crow and myself after the release of Episode 217 with Lena Poo tomorrow. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to everybody for being here. Cheers and good night. Yeah.
Thank you. 